May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. He who looks at the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing praises to my God as long as I live. May my meditation be pleasing in him as I rejoice in the Lord. Praise the Lord, my soul. Creatures look to, look to you to give them food at their proper time. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. When you hide your face, they are terrified. When you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. When you send your spirit, they are created and you renew the faces of the ground. i 
Peter stood up, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And And everyone everyone who calls calls on on the the name of the Lord will will be saved.
shall I fear? Whom shall I be afraid? I will wait on you. Pentecost Sunday is one of my uh, most favorite Sundays of the year. The Roseland Christian Reformed Church joins us. The sanctuary is overflowing with people. Uh, there is the smell of potluck and barbecue uh, in the air. There's joy and there's great singing and music and celebration. The emptiness of this sanctuary today is again a reminder of what we have uh, lost and what we are longing for these days. Please join me in uh, prayer. Holy Spirit, pour out upon us wisdom and understanding that being taught by you in Holy Scripture, our hearts and minds may be opened to receive all that leads to life abundant. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We read today from uh, Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the first 11 verses. Listen then for the voice of God. Now about the gift of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus is cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. And there are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given the Spirit a message of wisdom, and to another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of the one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one, just as he determines. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Scripture and the Christian tradition make some outlandish claims. Scripture and the Christian tradition make some outlandish claims. God in Christ became one of us, born to a peasant girl in the hills of what is now the West Bank. Or God in Christ was executed by the state, and that horrific death reclaims, redeems, and reconciles us to God. 
God in Christ is coming back to fully and finally put the world to rights and restore it to the shalom that God intended. Scripture and the Christian tradition make some outlandish claims. And those are not unessential claims. They're not on a par with stories like Jonah living in the belly of the whale or Noah fitting all the animals on the ark. They are the essential orthodox claims of the gospel. And they're remarkable and beyond the boundaries of everything else we know and experience day to day. They are outlandish. They're claims that have implications for the very nature of reality and what it means to be human. And after living with them for 60 years, they still give me pause. Well, this morning's text includes such an essential and outlandish claim. So first, a little context. First century Corinth was a cosmopolitan city at the crossroads of trade and culture. The Apostle Paul lived there for a few years within a little Christian community. And however, after he left, there was soon, they were soon fractured by theology, by class, politics, ethnicity, and spiritual enthusiasm. So about three years later, Paul wrote back to his Corinthian friends in response to their questions about division, incest, lawsuits, marriage, food offered to idols, resurrection, virgins, collections, and worship practices. Our text this morning is part of Paul's answer to one of those questions or problems. Because it seems that in Corinth... Some were boasting about what God was doing in their lives and getting carried away with ecstatic spiritual speech. And in turn, others were probably jealous. And some wondered why their spirituality was so subdued. There were those who were indifferent and some who just wanted to get on with their lives. And to all of those people and all of those perspectives and all of those dispositions, Paul writes that, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And dear friends, therein lies another essential outlandish claim. Did you catch it? The Spirit of God has given each of us a gift for the common good. It doesn't say that a few of us are gifted by the Spirit. It doesn't say that some of us are gifted by the Spirit. It doesn't say that each of us, it does say <laughs> that each of us has been given a gift of the Spirit for the common good. And the Greek word here for gift is charismata, the root of which is grace. 
it means something like grace a gift or gift of grace. And it has the sense, not because you earned it or deserved it, not because you've gone to school or honed a skill, not because of you, but because of God. You're gifted. And those are not just the gifts of health and strength and daily bread, but some other quality, some other reality, something beyond your natural grasp, some charismata. And Paul lists some of those gifts in our text, but the list is not meant to be exhaustive. They're just examples. The gifts of the Spirit are littered throughout Scripture. Serving, teaching, encouragement, mercy, giving, discernment, healing, etc., etc. There are about 20 gifts mentioned in the New Testament. And there is no reason to think that those are the extent of God's giving. So to each one of you, no matter class, age, gender, orientation, race, or ethnicity, by the indwelling of God's Spirit, you are given a unique gift. That's a remarkable and outlandish claim. Each one of you has been given a unique gift. Thanks be to God. But what does that mean for today? What does it mean when we are rent asunder by partisan politics, racism, a pandemic, and extraordinary economic disruption? What does it mean in a time when we can't gather for worship and fear and righteous anger and grief are just under the surface. What difference does my gift of the Spirit make? There's a contemporary black gospel anthem by Hezekiah Walker that I love and that the Hope and Roseland choirs have sung together. And the lyrics go like this. I need you you need me. We're all part of God's body. Stand with me. Agree with me. For we're all part of God's body. It is his will that every need be supplied. You are important to me. I need you to survive. I pray for you. You pray for me. I love you. I need you to survive. I won't harm you with words from my mouth. I love you. I need you to survive. Dear friends in Roseland and Hope, if God's way and will is one of reconciliation and the restoration of shalom, then we need each other to survive. We need the gifts of each person and each community. 
if we're all part of God's body, then we need to stand with each other to pray for one another, but we also need to stand with one another to listen. We need to listen to one another's stories. We need to listen to our collective stories of race and racism, of coming up on the rough side and seeking to do the best we can for our children. We need to tell our stories of fear, hospitality, forgiveness, loss, poverty, access to health care, addiction, culture, schools, property value, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Our stories, the honest humanity of our stories, are some of the gifts we've been given for the common good. Not to be benefactors or charity cases, not to be the object of mission or the missionaries, but to be co-equal partners gifted by the Spirit of God each one of us. Social media activism is easy. Indifference and defensiveness are easy. Preaching is relatively easy. Keeping social distance is easy. For the most part, we've been doing that our whole lives. But learning to listen and tell the truth, and repent, and seek a workable reconciliation, that's hard. But that's what we're gifted for, the common good. The movement of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost and the giving of spiritual gifts all point toward reconciliation and unity. In Ephesians, Paul puts it this way. His purpose, the purpose of Christ, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. So he came peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Now, I don't know how best to facilitate conversations that help us get closer to that unity. As division and defensiveness and distance ferments, it gets harder to do even as it becomes more essential. Standing together and agreeing together might seem insignificant in the big picture, but acting acting locally to address America's original sin is also the only place that I know to begin. And the outlandish claim of Scripture is that each of you 
has been gifted by the Spirit for that common good. You're gifted, not for your glory or for some heavenly import, but for the welfare and interests of others. Now that might fly in the face of a culture wherein individual freedoms and personal fulfillment are the highest goods, and that might not seem spiritual enough. But you are gifted as the body of Christ. You are what Pope Francis calls artisans for the common good. N.T. Wright puts it this way. Made for spirituality, we wallow in introspection. Made for joy, we settle for pleasure. Made for justice, we clamor for vengeance. Made for relationship, we insist on our own way. Made for beauty, we are satisfied with sentiment. But a new creation has already begun. The sun has begun to rise. Christians are called to leave behind in the tomb of Jesus Christ all that belongs to the brokenness and incompleteness of the present world. It is time in the power of the Holy Spirit to take up our proper role, our fully human role as agents, heralds, and stewards of the new day that's dawning, stewards of the gifts we've been given. That, quite simply, is what it means to be a Christian, to follow Jesus Christ into the new world, God's new world, which he has thrown open before us. That's an outlandish vision, and that's the best news that I know. You belong to God in Christ. You belong to each other. And each one of you is gifted by the Spirit of God for the common good. Thanks be to God. Amen.
Let us pray. We praise and thank you, O Lord, that you fed us with your word. Grateful for your gifts, mindful of the communion of your saints, we offer to you our prayers for all people. God of compassion, we remember before you the poor and the afflicted, the sick and the dying, prisoners and all who are lonely, victims of war, victims of injustice and inhumanity, and all others who suffer from whatever their sufferings may be called. God of providence, holding the destiny of the nations in your hand, we pray for our country and for the world community. Inspire the hearts and minds of our leaders that they, together with all our nation, may seek your kingdom and righteousness so that order, liberty, and peace may dwell with your people. O God, the creator, we pray for all nations and peoples. Take away the mistrust, Take away the lack of, un of understanding that divides your people. Increase in us the recognition that we are all your children. God, our Savior, look upon your church in its struggle upon the earth. Have mercy on its weakness. Bring to an end its unhappy divisions. Scatter its fears. Look also upon the ministry of your church. Increase its courage. Strengthen its faith and inspire its witness to all people, even to the ends of the earth. Author of grace, God of love, send your Holy Spirit's blessings to your children. Keep our hearts and thoughts in Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior. Amen. Each of you has been gifted by the Holy Spirit for the common good. 
go, therefore, to love God and to love neighbor, to serve God and to serve neighbor. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his light upon you and give you peace now and forevermore. Amen.